Uh, turning your Bibles to four, uh, Proverbs 14.1. Proverbs 14.1. Why God gives a man a message, I have no idea. It says, by the foolishness of preaching. If you've ever stood in front of an audience, a pulpit, seeking God's face, what he wants you to preach, the first thing you're going to ask yourself, I want to preach something that I am very familiar with. Something that's easy. Something that I know. That's never my case. I did that one time, and God said, okay, smarty pants, have fun. And I'll never do that again. I just will not. I was here by myself, and that's not a good place to be. So, we are in Proverbs 14 today. Uh, we're going to go, I, I need to go, I got a lot of stuff here, so some things we will look up and some things I will just read to you. Typical of how I do things. I always come up here totally with too much stuff, because honestly, if you have not enough you end up 20 minutes down the road and you're done. That's not a good feeling either. Um, so, Proverbs 14.1. It says, A wise woman buildeth her house, but a foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. There's no doubt in my mind what you want me to say. I've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. I've prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. You have gave me some thoughts and some words out of your book. But I told you this morning, God, all these things I've got written down mean absolutely nothing if you're not in it. You did say where two or more are gathered, you'll be in the midst. I just ask you, Father, today to be in this message. I think it's got a good meaning. I think we can all learn from it. I've learned from it, Father. Uh, Father, help us to examine our hearts as today is. Because today's day, everybody are cold and calculated. What happened to that warm, fuzzy feeling? That, that feeling from you and the Holy Spirit that just takes us over the top, as we see in one woman's life. So, Father, thank you, Father, for today. And uh, be with Pastor and Carol. Give them a good day off. And, and just be with our folks coming back. Uh, be with the kids and the decisions they made and the young adults. Uh, Lord, also be with next weekend, Brother Spencer, Lord, that uh, that would be a good weekend, and Father, edification of a lot of the saints, because we are just servants. I'm just a servant. We're all your children, Father. So be with us tonight, and get what you, today, and get what you want out of this message. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I say why we get these things in our heads. It's sort of nice that you're spirit-filled, Right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be really a whole lot of good to anybody. But this thought and the subjects I'm going to talk about is women. I had that thought for some time, and I just want to say and talk about, in the beginning of my introduction, some of the women <laughs> that have been instrumental in my life. And uh, that's what this message is about, and some made the cut and some did not. I know everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, please don't bring my name up, and I'm not going to. But I want to think back, and for me, that's easy to do. I always go back. It's good to think about where you're from. My fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Merrick, I was a poor, fatherless little boy. She got involved in my life, and she asked me to come out and work on her farm, which is about an hour walk away from me outside of town in Twin Falls. And I walked out to her little farm, and she would have me work five or six hours, 
And uh, she'd feed me lunch. I've had venison stew once. And she fed me things and let me work and clean the stalls. And, and, but she never paid me. And I'd walk home. She never picked me up or brought me there. I'd walk an hour back home. And it's a good about four or five miles. It's not 20 or 30 that the stories go. <laughs> and it wasn't snowing either. It was nice out. <laughs> but she never paid me. And I wondered what the world she was doing. I lived across from the school. She could see how poor I was, and I was fatherless, and I didn't have nice clothes. And she was kind, and I, I asked myself, why, why was I doing this? Because really I had nothing else to do on a Saturday morning other than eat sugared cereal and watch cartoons. But I don't know what time it was or what time of year. I can't pinpoint that down. I think it was before school year. She took me to the Sears Roebuck and Company in pennies, and she bought me some pants and some clothes and some shoes and some shirts and socks and underwear. Having your fourth grade teacher pick the fourth grade boys out underwear was pretty humiliating. I was just like, oh gosh, we have to go to that department. <laughs> and then there was some kids from school there and they'd see me hanging out with the teacher. And, and I was pretty embarrassed because I'm hanging out with the teacher. I didn't understand that, but she knew what I needed. I was poor. She got me all these nice clothes. Enough for a whole year. And um, I will be eternally grateful to Mrs. Merrick. Another woman in my life was Mrs. Butler. She was my best friend's mom. And I'd spend the night down there. They were Mormons. She was a wonderful lady. And uh, every Saturday, they'd get up and they'd all clean the house. And I didn't understand that theory. Everybody gets up and pitches in and cleans the house. She was a lady. But I will say that she was in my life, and she lived like eight houses down from us. And they had a real nice house, and they were nice people. And uh, I was playing basketball. I was a center. We are getting ready to jump and all this stuff, you know, young sports. And this referee had long hair because I never had a haircut. And a wild man is what I was. And this referee grabbed my hair and pushed me over to here where I was supposed to be. And I was just being my stupid self, and I probably I deserved it. But I seen Mrs. Butler come out of those stands, and she ripped into that referee, and he, she ripped into him. And I just watching this like nobody in my whole life has ever stood up for me publicly. And that guy thought, I'll never pull his hair again. And uh, I, I was just amazed that she just came out of them stands like she was my mom and ripped into that guy, and, and it was just something I remember. Ever since then. And she did many more things for me. I'll never forget Mrs. Butler. I'm eternally grateful. My Aunt Pauline. She wasn't really my aunt, but she grew up with my mom. That's what she called people back then. She lived a few blocks down from the house. And she was really poor. And at 16 years old, she got arthritis. And she was a beautiful young lady. But she got arthritis and was crippling and disfigured. And, and she could hardly walk and hardly move. But she did it every day. And, 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 and she raised her kids. And they were really poor. And I mean, she was awful to even look at. And she, she could hardly do anything. But she did it. And her arthritis overcame her. And she could hardly walk, hardly sit. She raised three kids, and she did most better than ever. And I remember always going to her house, and she would smoke Pall Malls. And that Pall Malls don't have a filter. And she would smoke Pall Malls like this and drink coffee and tell me about the Lord. Because, see, when I grew up, everybody smoked. We were smokers in the third and fourth grade because when he went in the car, three people smoked and didn't roll down the window. And so we all smoked. I don't care what anybody said. 
It's amazing. I was hooked on cigarettes in the fifth grade. I wonder why. When we went to dinner, everybody smoked. When we went to somebody's house, everybody smoked. And you, hey, you're in there, everybody smoking. And then they put their at- cigarettes out in their plate and murmur around. And cigarettes were a part of our lives. And, and so she told me about the Lord. And, 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 I, and I looked at that. And one time she, I spent the night. And was it, you could, when, you, when you spent the night at her house, you could hear the mice running in the walls. She took me to church, Free Will Baptist gets her chair, drives there, gets out and hobbles into the thing. And My two so-called cousins were in the choir and it's the first time i ever seen someone sing at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. And, and I didn't understand it, but the, the radiance of the light and the cross and the singing just all, sort of overwhelmed me. And then I watched her husband beat her and I watched her pour up in a poor, poor life. And at her deathbed, she uh, said to me, because I went there because I knew she was dying. I drove down there. And she said to me in this on her deathbed, she said, Kendall, because I love her, God has been so good to me. And I looked at her, and obviously he hadn't from my eyes. And I cried and cried. I'll never forget that. And she meant it with every word and every ounce of her being. And I think about this when I get to heaven. I want to see her first. Because she was the first real Christian I ever knew. And she was hard to look at. And she couldn't move. My Aunt Pauline, I will be eternally grateful to her. I am grateful for my mother-in-law. I had a very good mother-in-law. And here's one thing I'm going to tell you about my mother-in-law. Christmas Eve was a big deal to her. She would cook, and we'd have shrimp and lobster and steak and prime rib, and, and the kids loved it. We'd get in a big house in a garage or wherever it was, and we, we, we would eat and have fun for hours upon hours. And every year, I got a speeding ticket going home because I was so excited one time about mother-in-law's Christmas Eve. And it's a tradition that we still do to this day. She taught me how to have fun. And it truly is. And it's one time of the year where we just don't care about how much we spend. <laughs> we have a lot of neat stuff. And she taught me that, how to enjoy Christmas Eve. Because see, as a boy growing up, Christmas was a sad time in my life. And I will be eternally grateful for her. The next and last lady in my life was Jody Hoffman, one mile south from here, 42 years ago at a Grange Hall. Still there to this day. I went there, and I know you've heard the story. She wouldn't let me leave that building she got in the way of me getting out of that aisle. And she would not let me leave until she gave me the plan of salvation. And that day I bowed my knee and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And not knowing what changed in my life, it totally changed my life. I had never, no idea what was going to happen to me. I got saved that day because of Jody Hoffman's zeal for the Lord. I will be eternally grateful to Jody Hoffman. 2 Kings, 2 Kings 5. We're going to go through this fairly quick because i got four stories I'd like to hit. Thank you for starting on t- early, actually. They did. 
And these are all stories that you know. These are all about women that you know. But I want to talk about women today and just how special they are. I'm going to say this. I said I wasn't going to say it. I've been stuck with my five grandkids for the last four days. They would all be dead if it wasn't for my wife. That's a fact. I love them, but for four days, I can't stand them. And they're right in here right now. I want to just, who, if any of you guys want some kids, I got five of them. You can have them for free. So, guys, there's just some things we're not any good at. I know we can fake it. We ain't any good at it. Women are. They really are. In 2 Kings 5, 2, it says, And the Syrians had gone out of the companies and brought away a captive out of the land, a little, out of Israel, a little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife in Second uh, Kings 5, 3, and it says, And she said unto her mistress, Wouldn't it? Now remember, she's a slave. The boldness of this little maid. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were than the prophet that was in Samaria, it not says he might, it said he would recover from his leprosy. This little maid was, was forceful. She was believed in her God of Israel, and she, had, and she didn't talk about my, my, my town's bigger than your town or my country's bigger than your town. She said, my God is the only God, and my God's a big God. And I think because this is in the book, all these stories are for us. That little maid... The little maid influenced Naaman, the captain of the host of the armies, would have nothing to do with the little maid. They got her and they took her captive. This little maid had influence from the king of Syria. This little maid had the influence for the king of Israel. This little maid had the influence for the prophet Elijah. Never, never underestimate a little maid. Let no man despise thy youth. When a little girl comes up to you, Daisy has been with me and she always draws me pictures. Here, Grandpa, here's a picture. Well, I got, I'm getting so many pictures in my Bible, I'm going to start making a Bible of pictures. They always give me pictures. But never underestimate a little maid. They might be closer to God than you and I. You see, they still believe in the miracles of God, the, the flood, the, the ark, the end times, God, the, the rainbow. She, did, she gave them all a bath. My wife gives them color crayons to we got this big giant tub and they come all over the tub and it's like, ah! And there's towels and girls' junk everywhere. It's like a girl zoo. I mean, yeah! I'd have dumped them out, dumped them out. <laughs> You're done, man. Oh no, color crayons tear my house apart. But that little maid, they got, they got something inside of them. Young ladies, make a huge difference in anyone's life. When my granddaughter say, Grandpa, i got to tell you something, usually it's something stupid. What's, the fa what's your favorite color? They know not to ask me that stuff. Are you hungry? Yep, I'm always hungry. Um, but they have these demeanors about them that's so innocent and close to God. Never underestimate a little maid. God put this in the Bible for young ladies to read. No matter the circumstance, the words will, your words as a little maid will never hit the ground. 
little maids in the Bible. And here's the day. I know everybody's at camp. I get it. Well, you might be the little maid in this message, especially those who are watching on live stream. You might just be that little maid. So don't underestimate when they come up to you and you're tugging on your, tugging on your coat or tugging on your whatever they're tugging on or whatever they're hitting you with or whatever they're holding you captive for or whatever strange thing that they're doing. Look down and pay attention because they might be willing to teach you something. The little maid. Esther. Let's turn to the book of Esther. Everybody knows the story here. Esther 3. Everybody knows this story, of, but I want to hit a few things on this and talk about it because um, there's so many. And you can go to Queen Vashti and, and Jezebel, the bad people. But we're not talking about bad women today. We're talking about good women. Good women make a difference in everything. And, and you need to think about today, are you sitting next to a good woman? Do you have a good woman? And don't wait till you hear the, uh, they got some bad disease or something going wrong with them or they're ready to die for you to tell them just how much they mean to you. I wish I could go back and uh, I, I would be better to my wife, but I wish I could go back to my, my mother and my mother-in-law and the people of women, my Aunt Pauline and Mrs. Butler and Mrs. Merrick and actually tell them how much I appreciate them. It's something you carry around. I wish someone would have shook me and said, tell these women what they mean to you, Kendall. No. I just went on about my life. Skippity-doo-dah, skippity-day. Esther, three. Three, six. And I know you're all familiar with the verse, this story, but I want to go through a couple things in it. And three, six, and, his, and though the scorn and laid hands upon Mordecai alone, and he had showed him the people, from, uh, people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy, not just him, all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom, and of Azarias, even as the people of Mordecai, and in Esther 3.13. And so this evil Haman wrote a letter. In 3.13 it says, And the letter was sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy and to kill all and to cause all to perish, all the Jews, both young and old, little children, women, in one day. Even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is in the month Adar, and take the spoil of them for their prey. Well, this is a bad deal, and it came to Queen Esther, and she found out about it. Now, you know, Queen Esther could have said this. I'm the queen. What is this to me? I personally have a really good life. I'm in the palace. I have the king. He loves me. I got everything a woman could want. Why would I jeopardize my standing and my situation for all these Jews? They told it to her in Esther 4.16. It says, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast 
for me and neither eat nor drink for three days or nights. I will also, and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go into the king which is not according to the law. Here's the last thing that is important. She said, and if I perish, I perish. What the story is, is she hadn't been called to the king for 30 days. She hasn't been in his presence for 30 days. For, for, so for her to preach his will and come into his presence was a big deal. And she knew if she made the king mad, he'd kill her. She put her life in jeopardy for others. And i got to say this. Women have been doing that for 6,000 years. She exposed Haman and his awful things he was going to do and went to the king and, 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 and did it correctly, decently and in order, and the, enlightened the king of his wickedness and his treachery, and he hanged Haman on the gallows that was meant for Mordecai. We know the story. Well, that was just to avenge Mordecai. But here's what the real story is. In Esther 8.5, Esther 8.5, And said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in thy sight, and the thing seemeth right before the king, and I be pleasing in thine eyes. She's putting it all out there. Let it be written to reverse the letters. Because see, those letters have gone out. And devised by Haman, the son of Hamadath, the Agite, which he had wrote to destroy all the Jews which were in the king's provinces. So she said, Lord, then they called him Lord back, King, you got to stop and change those letters because this thing, this ungodly thing, I know we've hanged Haman, but this ungodly thing, Lord, see, it wasn't just to save Haman and Mordecai, it was about her people. And she said, you got to do this. Thousands of people's lives were changed by a godly woman. Don't underestimate a godly woman. Her prayers might be going higher than ours. And in verse 8 of Esther 15, it says, And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in the royal apparel of blue and of white and a great crown of gold and the garments with fine linen of purple, so it's pretty much red, white, and blue, and of the city of Shushan rejoiced, was glad. Verse 16. And the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And every providence and every city, wherever the king's commandments, and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and feasted and a good day. Now you guys may not think that's a big deal, but that's a big deal. Because we live in a society that that be hard to happen. And many of the people of the land became Jews, and the fear of the Jews fell upon them. All because of Esther. Mordecai got his robe and his crown and all this neat stuff. Well, what? Just because of what Esther did. She didn't just do her job. She went above and beyond on her job. 
As employees and an employer, I'll see someone who goes above and beyond the job, and that guy gets extra money. That's all we do. If you do above and beyond, we're going to give you extra money because you care. And that's how we rewarded. But she went above and beyond her job as a queen for the people of God. Willing to put her life on the line. Sometimes it takes a lady. It takes a lady to get a man's or a king's attention. I know ladies talk 66% more than men. And my wife says, let's talk. And I say, what about? (laughs) And then so there we go. Because we've talked for 42 years. And I've told you, sometimes I make stuff up just to keep it going. Because honestly, I'm about the boringest man you ever met in the world. It's true. The older I get, the less I want to talk, the less I want to do, the more I want to stay comatose and leave me alone. <laughs> and don't drive across my grass. <laughs> you know, I had this old people when I was a little boy. Let me try to tell you a story. Old people and a little boy, and we'd play ball. Well, our ball would go into their grass, and they'd keep my ball. And I thought, that's the cruelest thing. So one day I called the cops, and my mom called the cops. We called the cops, and cops went over and can they have this ball? They gave us the ball back. But they'd sit on the porch and watch us. And the boy, if our ball bounced into their yard, they'd come out and get it and hold it. <laughs> For what reason? We were young, awful young people. We could have burnt their house down. She had no idea what she was messing with. We shot shotguns at each other with primers with nothing in it. She didn't have any We had a reloading thing in our basement. She had no idea what we really could have done. I'm going to hold this ball. You're putting your life in your jeopardy, man. Crazy. And when I think of those people, and a lot of times when our, we grow up, uh, people would put a, a wire on the, on the corner. They live in a corner lot. They'd put a wire so you wouldn't cut across their grass. That's insane. Now you'd get sued. <laughs> you cut across, they'd sue you. Well, they put the wire out to trip us up because they don't like us. <laughs> a million dollars for you. They cut across. I had one guy, we moved in the subdivision, he was blowing his weeds like he was mad at the weeds. And I go, hey, how you doing? He goes, these are not my weeds, my, my leaves. These are not my leaves. I'm going, oh, man, good thing I live two blocks from that guy. <laughs> my leaves won't get on his road. These aren't my leaves. Oh, I go, crazy, man. Those are just leaves, man. Put gasoline and light them on fire. That's what we did. We played in leaves. They put them in all... <laughs> now you'd be dead because people drive through the leaves and hit a couple kids along the way. We'd play in them leaves. <laughs> Don't underestimate yourselves, ladies, for God. You know, we always talk about guys, and it's a guy book, and our Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit. I get all that, Jesus Christ. I get it. I'm a male, and it's a male book. I get it. Great God. But Jesus Christ didn't have to come of his virgin. He could have just showed up. I mean, I know that's what it, how it was written and all that stuff. But God didn't have to use mankind. 
He could have came out of the sky, and this is our Savior, accept Him, blah, 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 blah. But He came to go through a woman. And He had a mother. Oh, where have the mothers gone? Where have the mothers gone? 1 Samuel 25. I go shopping. I go shopping with my wife because I don't have anything to do usually. And we... She likes Walmart. I like Albertsons. She's wrong. I'm right. I know where everything is there. Yeah, so do I. But convicts also, man, they do too. Hey, what's your name? I just got all ten, man. Not there's anything wrong with that. Because I was arrested five times before I got saved, okay? Nothing anything wrong with that. All my four brothers were in prison. Nothing anything wrong with that, okay? I just said it. He doesn't like convicts. Well, my whole family's convicts, Okay? So, sorry if I said that. Because when you say something, people go, I can't believe you said that. I had a parole officer when I was 14 years old. Came to my school, met with me every month because I did bad things. So, let's put it right on where it's supposed to be. And I just got saved eventually. But in 1 Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 25, 3, there's also a story, and we have two more stories, and we'll be done. I know you're very familiar with the story. We had the little maid, and we had a queen. The two, two scenarios from a little maid to a queen. I mean, we're somewhere in the middle. I don't know if there's any queens in here. Some think they're queens, but there's no queens. And there's a little maid. Now, in 1 Samuel 25.3, it says... And now there came a man who was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. You notice they put good understanding before she's pretty. And good, good understanding, good and beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was the house of Caleb. I'm telling you right now, I've been praying to God lately. God, give me, and I, I was going to preach on this instead of this, but uh, give me that good understanding, Lord, and that wisdom that I lack, because I lack it every day, Lord. And if you have a wife of good understanding and a, a good countenance, she shall do him good, not evil, all the days of her life. You have a gem in your house, in your possession, but how do you realize it's a gem? Am I the only guy that took my wife for granted? Surely, guys, raise your hand. Come on, be real with me. Come on, okay, thank you, Brother Ralph. Brother Ralph, it's been Brother Travis. I think of this, I think of a saved woman that's unfortunately married to a lost man. And if you read your book, God talks about winning that lost man through your countenance and through your walk with God, not saying, oh, I'm going to divorce him because he's lost. Well, you married him. Why not try to win him to the Lord? There are many women who are married to married wrong and stuck in a marriage as an unsaved man. Read the story of Abigail. Or are you saying God's going to kill my No. But she stuck it out. And her and she was good to her servants and good to her system and good to the people around him. Most people go, I've met some people in my office, well, I have a, I have a horrible husband, so I'm out of the will of God. No, you're right in the will of God where you need to be. Win your husband of the Lord. You married him. 
Again, I'm thinking for nobody when I said that. <laughs> oh, you said that. The story goes, because we all know the story, that uh, David actually protected Nabal's flock out there. His men could have just killed and ate him. So David sent his men to Nabal and said, hey, I, I need some food, and I need some of this, and, and uh, we're, just, we're just 400 guys or 500 guys, and, and I, I need this, would you free, let us have it, and we'll still protect your things and be on our way. Well, it just made Nabal mad and said, who is this David? One of the kings is kings is king's friend. Who is this guy? And it made David mad. And let me say this, David wanted to kill him. Men have those thoughts, people. If you don't have had those thoughts in your life, then I don't know what you are. I've had those thoughts, bad thoughts, to do bad things to people recently. And not to my grandkids. <laughs> That's always. My wife says, those kids are going to think you hate them. Nothing dumb about them. <laughs> I know it's all banter. But because Nabal had a, a woman of understanding. Not a PA, there's nothing wrong with a PhD, a master, a doctorate, a book, a song, Whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But he had a woman of good understanding. She goes, man, these guys, and she found out. They told him what's going to happen. This guy's going to come kill all the manservants and maidservants, and they're going to destroy this place, and these innocent people are going to die. I will say this to you. A woman of good understanding keeps their home together so innocence stays innocent. I grew up with no innocence. You know? I believe in marriage. And I believe you could get divorced because things go south. Someone just wants divorce. I get that. But you don't give up on God. You keep going. I had a lady in my office. She's married now. Sweetheart. Something was done wrong to her. Her husband left her. and He's a dork. But I said, you know, there's life after divorce. <laughs> this is what I said. Take care of yourself. Don't get fat. Do your fingernails, make yourself look pretty, come to church, and seek God. Two years later, she remarried to a wonderful guy, and he's in this church to this day. He's a wonderful guy. There's life after it, just don't let it whip you. <clears throat> Abigail disobeyed her husband, wishes, and she went to David. And she got him the food and the things he needed. In 1 Samuel 25, 23. 1 Samuel 25, 23 says this. And when Abigail saw David, she haste. I mean, she was a moving. And she lighted off her ass. She didn't be bowed. She got off that thing and went after it. And fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. She was a rich woman. She probably went to the spa. She had servants. She did not need to do this. She could have sent a servant to do it. But she knew things were going to go south, and she had good understanding. She knew she had to get involved, or things are going to go bad. 
God gives our women and our wives and our, our grandmothers and people in our lives sometimes understanding that we don't see. And you have to pay attention to them. This woman knew that she was going to put herself in danger. She didn't know what David's going to do to save her life for everybody underneath her. She didn't need to do it. But she did because she had good understanding. She wasn't stuck on her beauty like Jezebel and wasn't wicked. And 1 Samuel 25, 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which said thee to thee this day to meet me. And then this next verse is what's important. Verse 33. And blessed be thy advice. He heard what she had to say. And blessed be thou that which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood from them, avenging myself and mine own hand. Ladies and people, sometimes men get mad and they get angry and rest in the bosom of fools, but we get angry and we do stupid things. And sometimes it takes a woman to say, Hey, Buster, calm down for a minute. <laughs> me kill. You bust uh, Me don't like him. I was going to run in the back of the guy once. And really I didn't because I feared the airbag. And my wife was right there. Because <laughs> they were messing with me and I thought, oh, I'm going to get him. I mean, that's the dumbest thing a man could say, right? I'll just get another truck. <laughs> he won't get another truck. I'm going to get him good. I was this close. And it was Christmas time about six years ago. Right, what did you do for Christmas? I ran into somebody. I didn't like him. Because I feared that airbag and I didn't want my wife to get hurt. Ah, Kendall had to take things in his hand, run into that guy. Both got black eye, broken noses, and airbags. He walks away and everything's happy. Plus, he sues me for a million bucks. You might be an Abigail today. You might be the lady that can calm the storm in some man's life. I'm serious. Ladies, I say this, I'll say it till I die. Your sweet countenance is your strong point. Not, I'm going to give him the business. <laughs> he sees that, he goes, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> We put up a wall every time you do that. We put up a wall when you come at us like that, we go, hey, I'm prideful too. But when you come with good understanding and, and sweet, you notice she fell down on her feet to him, she didn't say, hey, don't you be coming and killing my servants. I brought you the food. Now eat your food and get on your way. David go, I'm going to eat my food and get away and I'm going to kill your servants. She humbled herself. When you find a woman that's humble and will humbly come to a man, and even if the man's totally wrong and gets his attention, and then God slaps him up at the side of the head through the Holy Spirit going, you're a moron. She's right and she's on the knees. Oh, man. God, forgive me of my anger. God was angry and killed everybody once, wasn't he? And who talk, talked him out of it? A guy. Lord, don't be doing that. So I would say, 
There could be a lot of Abigails in this room. Not that you're married or divorced or just lost, husband's lost. I'm saying this woman of good understanding. A woman of good understanding is hard to stop. And there's a bunch of them in here. A bunch. More than ten. And I could name them right now. And if I do, you're going to be mad that I did it. But I won't do it. She put her life in danger because she knew her husband didn't know what he was doing. So she went and fixed the problem without despising her husband, actually, or having a big fight. She just did it. This um, That's what she did. Last but not least, John 4. John 4. Last but not least. Amen. Okay. Last story. Now this is a story where we can relate to because a lot of first generation Christians have this. I'm a first generation Christian. I had a lady rip into me the other day about something and I told her, hey ma'am, I'm a first generation Christian. I'm not a second generation Christian. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But it comes to John 4 and it talks about Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman. And if you look at John 4, 8, and it says, For the disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And the woman, verse 9, the Samaritan woman, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask the drink of me? And the woman of Samaria said, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Uh, she said, how are you talking? She met the Lord. You have, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We are as dogs. Verse 14, 4.14, it says, But whosoever drinketh this water, I shall give thee, shall thirst. He says, If you drink this water, you'll thirst again. But of the water that I shall give thee, a well of what's drinks brought out, is shall everlasting life. I know I'm a little fast right now, but in verse 16, Verse 16 is an important verse because listen to this. It says, Jesus said unto her, Go and tell thy husband to come hither. Here's what he did to her. Jesus Christ let her lie to him. He already knew. Sometimes, guys, people will tell me things that I already know, and I let them just speak. Because you know what? Maybe they just need to get it off their chest. Nobody likes an EOE. Verse 17. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, well said. He said that I have no husband. He said, you mean you tell me you have no husband? He let her lie to his face. But, for thou hast five husbands. He whom thou hast in thy husband, that thou sayest thou truly. She met the Lord as any other lost woman would meet the Lord. And she, and she found out, and, and, she, and it caught her in her tracks. And just like when I and you, ladies, you met the Lord, it stopped you in your tracks. It stopped you, and you, and you, you didn't know what to do. But verse 27, it says, Upon this the disciples marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seest thou, or why thou talkest with her? You know, you have to be careful, ladies, of self-righteousness. I, 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 I used to, when I was, many, many years ago when I was institute, I got self-righteous for about a year, and God humbled me. Self-righteous is evil as wickedness. 
And I'm going to say this to you, and I hope you don't get mad at me. I know Christian women who wear cowboy boots. <gasps> my wife wears cowboy boots. They wear cowboy boots. I'm like, does she wear pants? Yes, she wears pants. Well, that's not in the Bible. I don't care. Be careful of legalism. Be careful of self-righteousness. I know the church, the church of God, ministries, witnessing people, put on your best foot. I totally get it. Huh. She's got cowboy boots on. Who does she think she is? She's a cowgirl. That's who she is. She likes horses. I do not like horses. My wife loves horses. Do I have horses? No. I drew a line on horses. <laughs> and I said that because when you get saved, you notice she didn't care what she wore. Well, what you're going to see she does, she didn't care about her parents. She didn't care what she had on. She met the Savior and she fell in love with him and goes, oh! and you'll see here in a second. Now I know church, you should, if you're a Christian, you should do the best you can and dress. I, yes, I believe in dresses. Don't say I didn't. But if there's a girl comes up here and has cowboy boots and, and, and not a dress on, uh, you need to go talk to them and love them and be good to them. Because when I walked into a Grange Hall 42 years ago, I was the only young guy, and Rick Weston. And he sat on the front row and screamed amen, so I went as far away from him as I could. Because I didn't understand. I'm going to have to go to the front row and scream amen? I didn't know how to do that. I just came into this place. But all them old folks loved me and was good to me. And didn't say, cut your hair, change your shirt, quit driving here with that hot rod at 900 miles. I'd come down with that 70Z28 with 500 horsepower. Wah! Wah! Me and the, my wife's doors would open, come in, and we'd run it. We are here. And all the old people, my, my, would you look at that? <laughs> would you look at that guy? He came back again. And they'd invite me to their potlucks and they'd shake my hand. And they were nice to me. And I didn't have the appropriate shirt wear. I probably had a Panama red shirt on. And they were nice to me. What's Panama red? <laughs> Tell you what Panama red is. They were nice to me. And a woman, when you're nice, there's nothing nicer. Men are the biggest fakers. Hi, brother. How you doing? And I'm, there are some nice men. Don't get me wrong. Ed Zimmerman, nice guy I met. And all his friends are nice. I'll go around and I'll go, this is not normal. But that's what he is. I'm not that way. What am I? Okay. But verse, 20, verse 28. And the woman, when she left her water pot, now, she lost some money right there. That water pot was worth money. Pots didn't grow on trees. And when I went her way into the city and said to the men, see, she had to go tell the men. I got to tell some men this. I got to tell them. And you know she was a coming, moving down that dirt road with whatever she had on, just a blustering in the wind. And, she, and here come the men going, wow, here she comes. What has she got now? She has five. She said, there's a whore coming at us. And she came and she was excited and she had to tell the men. It's going to be interesting when you get to heaven and she's there. She won't be all rattly dressed then. She may clothes that the Lord gave her. Remember Rahab the harlot. Think on that a little bit. Guys, listen sometimes. Sometimes we need to listen. 
John 4, 29, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out into the city and came unto her. And I wonder, I, she just came and said, Come see a man. And she was dressed was not right. And you got to be careful. I uh, come Sunday mo- Saturday mornings real early. I, I study, but Saturday mornings where I spend four or five hours with the Lord about my message. And that's just what I've done for 35 years. I pull up, and there's this lady, wild eyes. And I park, and nobody, she's on the front door over there. I thought, hello? I come, what's the problem? Well, she was just beside herself. My husband slashed my tires, beat me up, kicked me out of the house. You guys give subsistence. I didn't say, well, <clears throat> uh, there's a way we give subsistence. Is you uh, bring your name forward, and in a couple weeks, we'll give you a check. Yeah, I always have a lot of money in my, my wallet because I was raised poor. And all the people that ever know me know that. I reached in and gave her a bunch of hundreds. You know why? Because God said, if thou ask it. And I'm preaching on women, and there's a needy woman at that door when I showed up at 8 o'clock. And I was singing on the way, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to sing honor and glory. Thou art worthy, O Lord. I pull around, and there's this crazy-eyed woman. And telling me the story, and I I didn't say, Ma'am, are you sure that's true? And I said this to say this. God said, yeah, Kendall, I want you to preach on women tomorrow. When we get to heaven, you're going to be amazed on the things God put in your way to get your attention. And verse 39. And many of the Samaritans that a city believed on him for sayings of this woman. Many of the Samaritans believed on him for the sayings of this woman and testified, he told me all things that I ever did. You know, sometimes I think we get a little bit male happy. And I'm a male. Ah, believe me. Our dogs are male. Now we got a female dog. We had male dogs forever. Now we got a stupid female dog. But I got males. And I'm a male. And I believe in males. I think males are balanced in many ways. And, but males can be unbalanced in many ways. And the Samaritans were a lower class of people. And don't look down at anyone unless you're willing to give them a hand up. That's my belief. Don't look down on anyone unless you're willing to give them a hand up. You don't have to look far to see what God's done in our lives. We don't. And don't underestimate the power of a lost woman that gets saved. Guys, Women are just as important to God as men are. And women, I said this, I said, wear cowboy boots are just as important to God as you with your fancy shoes. It's because they like them. Good Christian ladies in this church wear cowboy boots. And I know them. <clears throat> if any man is doing a work for God, just look behind him. There's always a great woman standing behind him. 
not in front of him. That's the difference. Verse 40, so the Samaritans would come unto him and they besought him and he would tarry with them and he abode for two days. All because of a woman who got excited about the Savior. You know, it's okay to be excited about the Savior. And when you meet someone who is, nudge up to him a little bit. Oh, that's immature. (laughs) I've been there. You'll get past it. No, you don't want to get past it. I've got past it. And it's a drag. You can't be too political. You can't be too polished. I'll never be a professional preacher. You can't do it. Why? Because it's about Him. And if you can't get excited about Him, then what are you even doing? And this woman, he put this story in the Bible. Well, Kendall got saved and didn't do anything for the Lord. Me and Shelly had young adults in our house. Dennis Wells was our teacher. And we had a Grange Hall where there was a furnace and two couples. The furnace would kick on. I swore we was going to get burned to death. It was a hundred-year-old furnace. And me and my wife looked at each other. We're saved and we're in a furnace room. We don't get this. Especially the many women. I put, I changed this in the last minute because I had me on this. Many women that God's put in my life, but I've changed it. The many women that God's put in your life. God's put in your life to encourage you. Mrs. Dalton, she's here right now. She was in the Grange with me. Many women put in your life to exhort you. The many women put in your life to help you. The many women put in your life to forgive you. The many women put in your life to show you. The many women put in your life to protect you. And the many women put in your life to keep you. Do not Let anyone pass or get out of your grips until you tell them what they've done for you. I got a list that's longer than my arm of things I wish I would have done if some man would have got in front of me and said, listen, if some woman's done something for you, appreciate them and tell them that. Write them a letter. Give them some money. Mow their grass. Just look them in the eye and tell them, thank you for being there on a time of need. Because you don't know that woman might be ready to quit right now. Well, I I don't feel like I could do that. Loser. Loser. You're a loser then. Well, that's out of my, yeah. The Samaritan woman. She didn't care what anybody thought. There's a whore coming down the street telling everybody about Jesus Christ and they knew she was a piece of junk and she convinced them all to go out there. How she did that? Divine. Holy Spirit. Inside of you. Holy Spirit inside of you saying, man, I gotta help. 
I got to make a difference. Piano player, come forward. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I said all these things because God took me to the woodshed over this. And I'm going to say this to every one guy here. <laughs> you got a good woman next to you? Well, I'm not going to go forward because that's what he wants me to do. I don't care what you do. But I'm telling you right now, don't you let a day go by without telling her what she means to you. And ladies, ladies, you're the star of this moment. How are you doing? How in the world are you doing? Well, my husband doesn't appreciate me. Well, who really cares? You're a tool of the Lord. How sharp are you? Well, tell the Lord about it. Ask Him to help you. Say, God, make me the woman that I need to be. I've let you down. You know what I told God? I've let my wife down so many times. Ladies, it's okay to come to the altar, you know. It's okay to say, God, help me. I know you can do it in your chair. Absolutely fine. But my job is to get to your hearts. And I hope and pray that it did today because that's what God laid on my heart. I would go back and say, Mom, I'm sorry. I'd go back to my mother-in-law and say, Marie, I'm sorry. I'd go back to Mrs. Butler, Mrs. Merrick, and Pauline. I'd say, oh, thank you for being there. Thank you. You know what? Thank God he made ladies. Because once I got saved, I started meeting a bunch of them. Oh, I did. And they didn't know what to do with me. And they were so kind. So kind. If charity never faileth, ladies, kindness is your superpower. Those smiles that you have, those cookies that you bake, well, they're just cookies. No, they're not just cookies. They're cookies that came out of your oven, made with your hands. They're important cookies. Please, leave this auditorium being thankful for the women God put in our lives. Because boy, I'll tell you, they sure are a game changer. Turn to 421. 421. Higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the ladies you've put in our life. You said it was not good that man should be alone. I know sometimes we scratch our heads trying to figure them out. And they're scratching their heads trying to figure us out. And then we all look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the true chest of wisdom and understanding. So, Father, be with this, this body of believers and, and be with us tonight as they have a sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Father, I pray for those campers coming back safely. And, Lord, I've said a lot of things today. Father, please cover that if someone's misunderstood my intentions. God, it's not easy to preach, tell stories, talk about your word. And, Father, just give us the covering of the Holy Spirit that we need. And for those out there in TV land, Lord, I Father, pray that they would look at their mates next to them, whatever woman's next to them at the point, and tell them they love them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.